Okay, welcome to Thrivecast, a community podcast series where we are learning from uh, the biggest of the bigs, learners in the growth and engineering uh, you know, space. Our today's topic is building virality into product. Uh, and to do justice, we have Brian uh, Page. Who Brian? Am I saying your name right? Page? Brian Paget, but Paget, oh, yeah. Brian Paget. But it's it's like Page with a T. People spell it and say it all different ways, so you can say it however you want. But Paget okay. is yeah. My right, wife, okay. who wants to always say it Paget, by the way, because she comes from Lebanon and they speak French there, but it's an English name, so we say it Paget. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the car company Peugeot, in which is where it's getting a little company. Yeah, um, cool, cool. So with uh, Brian uh, Paget, uh, who's got a storied career working across a range of products, Brian, you worked in the industry uh, across big and small companies. Uh, you've been yep. a former uh, strategy, technology, and marketing exec, and at Amazon, SAP, Adobe, IBM, and so many venture-backed startups. Uh, Brian, welcome to Thrivecast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Look forward to the conversation. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, before we start talking about the product virality, and maybe I wanted to have the listeners to know a little more about your background and how you got started to build Meet Moji. Uh, maybe a small anecdote before we kick off there. Brian, you and I, we connected during our market research call, and you made a statement that kept ringing in my head. You said, freemium is the luxury of the luxury of the venture-backed companies. Uh, and yes. that that's the moment I knew that I got to invite you for the podcast. I got to learn so many things from you. Uh, yeah. Looks like you've been there, done that. You know, so tell us about your background and why did you decide to start building Meetmoji? Yeah, sure. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I'll have some more antidotes. But I, but I did learn the freemium model at the largest freemium company in the world, Adobe. So, uh, you know, I'm very familiar with that model. But, you know, by background, you know, I started off my career, I was a developer, so computer science degree. My dad was actually a software guy. He was a fighter pilot, then ended up working at Lotus, which was a storied and large software company way back in the day. And so I grew up uh, learning software and learning things like OS2 and how to program from all the engineers at Lotus at the time. And so I loved, I, I was bitten early by the computer bug, got a computer science degree, got out, was a developer. Um, I live in Washington, D.C., so I started off in the defense market. And uh, and I luckily, I, I stumbled on to playing around with a piece of technology, and that company ended up hiring me. And that started my career of about mm -hmm. 20 years in, in software. So like you said, I my formative years, my first years were kind of as a sales engineer, as part of the uh, venture-backed startups. Um, and then I met my wife, at, at, uh, and she told me to get a real job. So I went to work for IBM, <laughs> you know, as, as it goes. Um, so I went from being a sales engineer to a salesperson at IBM. And then, uh, you know, really my heart was still in technology, went back to Adobe. Uh, I spent 10 years at Adobe, kind of rose to the ranks there, uh, you know, and ended up as deputy CTO for the public sector. Um, that's where I started to, you know, we were talking a little bit before, but that's where I started to do a lot of public speaking, um, marketing, webinars, internal enablements, you know, everywhere from the Sydney Opera House to some cheap motel in the middle of Pittsburgh somewhere, right? But I would do a lot of those things. Uh, and then, you know, went to SAP after that, spent five years there, chief strategy and marketing officer, and led our entire marketing team from internal, you know, in-person events to online and back to hybrid. Um, and then after that, went to Amazon, um, you know, ran solutions worldwide for public sector there and had my uh, my midlife crisis 
where I where I came home to my wife and said, "Hey, look, I'm 45, and uh, this is the time to go back to the small place." Remember, I did all those big companies for you in between. So I started Meet Moji about six months ago, seven months ago now, with the intent to try to solve some of the issues that I saw in trying to, you know, move events from in person to online and back to hybrid, and you know, tired of stitching together tools and not having the things I wanted to. So I started I'd go out and try to build it on my own. So I've been doing that for the last you know seven months or so. Oh, congratulations on on, on being a startup founder. Uh, yeah, thank across you. your background, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, and as we had the conversation earlier as well, uh, you touched upon you 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 went from sales to GTM to understanding uh, you know how things work. You were at the SAP Venture. Uh, uh, venture partner group or the venture investment group where yep. it looks like you also went ahead and acquired a couple of companies and you learned from them. Uh, and now you get to do all the things that you asked them to do. Right? Exactly. You were, you were the one who's running due diligence on some of these companies and now you're on the other right. side building things. And yeah. you know those puny guys, they were like, okay, Brian, I'm going to get you. <laughs> so look yeah. forward for that. Um, so tell us a little about uh, Meet Moji, and uh, uh, how did you start thinking about Meet Moji? What what was the uh, the foundational aspect of Meet Moji that you know, foundational aspect of this particular idea that caught your attention? Why did you go start building it? Uh, and then uh, and maybe you know uh, talk a little about how you want to take this to the market with with uh, making the product viral. Yeah. So, you know, start off a little bit uh, further back on, on what you mentioned. My time at NS2, so I, I've done every job in software. I've been an engineer, developer, a product manager, a product marketer, CMO, a CTO, a chief strategy officer. But I've never started anything from scratch. And you're dead on. I'm running a, you know, I'm, I'm working with our M&A team and I'm helping to run acquisitions for companies or minority investment stakes that we would take. And I was giving a lot of advice to a lot of these founders and trying to shape it. And you know, it's, it's so funny now looking back, it's like a lot of my advice really wasn't that good because <laughs> I had never done it before. So that was part of the journey in the beginning. It's like I knew I wanted to start something, but because of my background in product marketing, product management, and kind of go-to-market stuff, as, as, as you have a great background there too, you know, I really started to research, um, you know, where are areas the people are you know, really investing in what are the kind of the mega trends you start off with to begin with? And you mm-hmm. say, okay, there are certain mega trends that are out there. And and one of them that, that I knew very intimately because I ran internal external comms and marketing was hybrid. Um, we mm-hmm. knew that we're, we're in the hybrid world forever. Like I, I've, I haven't, I've had lots of in-person meetings, you know, when I was at Amazon, I've never had a meeting since post pandemic era where it didn't have a meeting invite in it to an online meeting platform. And I had a couple of meetings where, like, I'd show up, we'd, you know, dust off our suits, we'd get to security, we'd spend hours walking through, and then we'd walk in the room to present to 100 people, and 95 people would be online, and five people would be in person. So I knew that was a big mega trend. And then, you know, I really wanted to research into the areas to see what technologies and products were out there. And I had decided early that I didn't want to take venture at least early. Uh, so I wanted to bootstrap myself. So I had to identify approachable markets that oh, they could go after. And, you know, things that to your point have some virality, cause I don't want to hire a huge sales force. I want to be a PLG product like growth kind of company. 
so those were my criteria going in. Um, and really, I just came back to this problem that I had over and over again, which was I was always a field facing person doing marketing or sales or and you never know what meeting platform you're presenting on. You never know where your audience is going to be. And you need a way to be able to simplify you know, how you deliver multiple types of content and engage multiple types of audiences. Because what we've done is we used to be a lot more engaged in meetings when we did them in person, but now we just go online and we just show a bunch of PowerPoint slides. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way, you know? Uh, so we built Meetmoji with the intent of that, which is really, look, there, you know, we want you to have a platform where you can present any type of slides you want, as well as videos and, you know, demos, live demos that you could embed or click out to include content like documents or Excel files if you need to, and engage with an audience that's in person online or both at the same time. So that's kind of where we started. And Really, our initial focus is is around sales enablement, something that's near and dear to my heart that I've done since the beginning, right? So that's kind of the, the backstory of, of kind of how we ended up with Meetmoji and then you know, what we've been building. So right now we're got a couple hundred you know beta customers and we're out there testing in the real world, you know, delivering sales enablement sessions with companies that are in the tech world um, and trying to make that easier for them and more engaging for the audience. That's an amazing story, Brian. Um, maybe a couple of things that's that's catching my attention. You know, your background in uh, sales-led companies, right? And now you focus on product-led, uh, and the and the gap between these two. You know, you you somehow are able to that cross that chasm from going from sales-led to product-led. Uh, you know, uh, I think for the listeners, you know, who can go to meetmoji.com, you could also see that. You know, Brian and his team have built uh, the sign-up button, which is the first indicator of uh, product-led. <laughs> right. Um, so tell us your journey about, uh, you know, I know you, you said you, you wanted to go boost, you know, bootstrap your company, which means that you're not going to go take large venture capital and then spend all of that money on sales and marketing and blow that away. So how did you go about building that product, uh, getting to that 100 set of 100 customers uh, you know, sure enough, they want to try your product. Sure enough, you want to build the aha moment for them. Sure enough, you want them to share it, you know, to a wider audience. You know, in, in, your, in your case, it's the sales element aspect. So you want the sales engineer on the other side to be able to go and say, hey, you know what? Uh, here's Meetmoji. Uh, yep. Want to share it to his peer, his peer, and so on and so forth. Uh, could you tell us a story about how did you go about thinking through this process, building towards PLG and adding that virality so that it becomes a little more mainstay at the companies that you're selling. Yeah, 100%. So um, a lot of the motivation is is because I've lived the, the more difficult life um, on the other side, right? I, I did the most difficult type of selling that you'll do in enterprise software, selling into highly regulated government and classified customers around the world. And they result in really, really large deals. I've done hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in, in revenue with individual agencies. And, um, but they take years and, 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 and have enormous compliance requirements and huge investments. So I knew I didn't want to do that. And I knew mm -hmm. that I would have to go down the venture route if I did and, and raise enormous amounts of money. So I said, you know, the get-go, like, how do we build something that's viral, product-led, has network effects built into it. So 
part of you know the beauty of of what you do in a platform like Meetmoji is is you have one presenter and you have many people in the audience. Mm-hmm. So every time that you have a single presenter and you have a hundred people in the audience and they run a poll, people are going to pick up their phone, they're going to scan a QR code, and they're going to go to Meetmoji.com, they're going to type in a code, and they're going to see Meetmoji and they're going to say, "Oh wow, this is a different way of being able to engage." You know, if they just ran a poll on Zoom, I couldn't I couldn't participate in it or wow, that presentation was a lot smoother because people weren't, mm-hmm. you know, sharing, unsharing, resharing all the stuff and and maybe I'll check it out. So the intent from the beginning was to, to look, I know I have to start this flywheel myself with my personal network and founder-led sales growth to knock on doors and get people to try it. But once I get the flywheel going and you can have one person that could be getting it out to a thousand people and you can get a small conversion from that, it can really start the flywheel. So that was one aspect of it is just how we engage and how we are intentional about people uh, getting aware of the product when they're engaging with it. The second is, you know, I want people to be able to post event, uh, be able to do things like share a link to your to your entire meeting content. So all the things that you presented. So you might put that into a portal or after a webinar, you drop it onto your website and that links back to Meetmoji and you're walking through a Meetmoji presentation that somebody else put together. So intention from the beginning is, is all about building in things that will enable network effects. Now, long term, I really see the ability to have people that are creating templates that are agencies that you know are driving more usage of Meetmoji because they're creating the best templates for a sales enablement session in this industry or this product. And But short term, you know, it's just about making sure that people are going to that, aware of it and engaging with it. And then they can go and click sign up, right? So, but you got to get it going. It, it doesn't start on its own, it turns out, right? It just putting that sign up button doesn't really get you there. You got you to gotta still do the sales-led growth stuff as a founder to begin with to yep. get to the PLG flywheel going. Yeah, I think uh, that, that's a big learning across the board. You know, people have completely pivoted to either PLG or SLG. And I think now, very soon, they're realizing it's not an or. It has to be an and. And otherwise, it, you know, you don't get be- bigger deals. You don't actually get to have a you know happy customer um, because of that sales connection, the uh, the repertoire that the sales engineer, or the sales you know, uh, or an AE has that with the customer, being able to go handhold them. Uh, you need SLG for that. Um, maybe taking a small step back, you know, Brian, could you break us down, uh, maybe at a conceptual level, what makes things viral, especially in the B2B world, you know, that you're building a product towards, how can a B2B product become viral? What are the tools and techniques or maybe some stories that you want to share about uh, how can how can startup founders who are starting to build, uh, you know, newer products, they should start thinking about what should I build? How do I make it viral? What are the conceptual ways I can do it? How should I experiment with it? Uh, could you throw some lights on uh, uh, on uh, how do you build it? How do you think about it? How do you go try it? How do you go experiment it? Yeah, I th- I'd say there's a bunch of different models, um, you know, to go after that I explored and have looked at. I mean, there's, um, you know, there's certainly the influencer model, right? Which is mm-hmm. uh, I become an influencer that's deep in meeting technology. I've been a presenter and doing these things on stage for two decades, and I know what I'm doing, so let me become an influencer on stagecraft and meeting presentations. And, mm-hmm. and you can do that yourself. And then, then people 
find you based on your uh, on the things that you're sharing, right? That isn't trying to position product, but it's just really about sharing knowledge. And then they trust you and like you enough to then give your product a try. I'd say, yeah, that's that's one. We you mentioned another one earlier that I learned very very well at, at Adobe, the freemium model, right? How do you get the most widely distributed software in the world? You give it away and then you charge for the tools to make it on the back end. Um, I, I kind of chose that I didn't want to go that freemium model because I didn't want to go the venture backed way and it is expensive, you know? So then you have to say, okay, well, what are the other network effects that you can build in? Obviously the most famous of which are things like Facebook and, and, you know, and, and social networks like LinkedIn, where you're building the network effects that are most strong because they identify you as a person and connect you to others in your network. But they're in the B2B world, that doesn't work the same way, right? So in the B2B world, you have to say, okay, well, what are the things that I can that I can use? Well, if you look at the enterprise space, you and I have both been in the enterprise space a long time, the the enterprise software space has changed dramatically. Like it used to be, you'd wait for the guy to knock on the door or the the lady to walk walk, walk in the in the office, and we'd do a presentation, we'd do a demo, and people would then buy it, and you sell a five hundred thousand dollar deal and an RFP bake off. Doesn't happen anymore, right? So people need to experience the product, and so you know you have to be able to give some sort of sample in there at least to allow people to sign off and test it out. And then you do have to think about, you know, when you're going after the B2B world, how are you going to do it? You can, you certainly want reference selling. So if you have good customers, incenting them like many enterprise products do to, to share an affiliate code or get a discount or, you know, incent them through some sort of sales or marketing resources, that's one way. But, but just building in the product engagement, ways that you can engage with an outside audience, whether that's direct engagement like it is with Meetmoji or if it's just sharing an asset or a copy or some component of your product, you know, outside of that organization. So if you can get one or two or three, they can get you 10 or 20 or 30. And, and that starts to go viral, right? Virality re refers to the fact that you need connections, right? So you need to find a way to build those connections between those sources. And you hope that you get enough of them. And if you have a good product, then you can get a product market fit much more rapidly. So, I mean, I, you know, I landed on this, but I do think it's just about thinking through what does your product do and how can you build connections to other companies when that product is used or when people talk about it or when they share an asset that's in that so that they'll learn about it themselves. Because people don't pick up the phone, they don't answer email, and they rarely respond to humans anymore. So they, gotta, they have to learn it online to kind of get anywhere is, I think, the truth of the law of software moving forward enterprise or not. Oh my goodness, Brian, you should write a book on this. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, okay. Uh, let me summarize what you just said, because I'm just processing it in my head. You mentioned about seven or eight different techniques, right? In, in this one, one and a half minutes time. Uh, you talk about social trust, you know, building through influencers. And if an influencer has hundreds of millions of followers, um, and they talk about your product, you know, that's been done in B2C world. It's getting done now in the B2B world. You talked about uh, sharing of assets. I think in your case, the example could be that uh, a sales engineer, you enable one sales engineer within a company that you're selling, they will share, you know, Meetmoji's assets, you know, to other sales engineers within the organization itself. And that brings, you know, uh, 
uh, that brings that virality within the company that you're selling. So yep. instead of you trying to go sell to the manager and talking about, hey, you know what, this is the these are the benefits. Why don't you try it? You now have created champions within the organization who have now experienced the value much before you're talking to the leadership team about, hey, you know what, you have about 300 odd folks using my product. Why don't you think about bringing an enterprise license? I think that's an amazing you know, way to put that. You also talked about a third kind, which is affiliate or partner marketing. You know, you yeah. build partnerships, you build that community. You know, maybe I misunderstood on that part. Very likely no, that's, that's 100% right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it looks like, you know, yeah, we, I, I understood that uh, building partnerships, building affiliate network, you know, who can help you now promote, not just by yourself, they can actually, you know, promote uh, not the goods, the services, but also they can bundle their own offerings. Uh, you mentioned about LinkedIn, whether it work or not, but you also mentioned about building champions, which is no different in the B2B world, right? You would have, right. you'd go sell to like a, either a technical buyer or a, you know, a, or a user and they become a champion to the product and they start talking about it. In just in this case, you made them realize the value and they have actually started using it rather than just being a superficial champion. So these are like six, seven awesome techniques that you just mentioned on, on the call. So hopefully the list, listeners who are listening, of course, we'll put this in the show notes and have these as bullet points. But this is this is great information, Brian. Well, it's easy to talk about it. It's still tough to do it, right? So <laughs> the theory and the practice, you know, one of the things I, I saw on LinkedIn the other day was, and, and it, it really resonated with me, was there, there was somebody that was riding a, a toy horse around. And, and the video essentially was saying, this is what it's like when a non-founder is giving advice to a founder. And I, I put myself back there, right, in my, in, in, in my seat at SAP when I'm in, investing. And I'm the guy riding the play horse, and I'm trying to teach somebody how to ride a, a real horse. So I think these are all really good lessons, but then applying them takes discipline, time, and practice. It's not, it's not easy. And I think we all have that as a founder. You, you probably have it too. There's a fantasy in the back of your head that like if I build it and I just put that sign up button up that maybe it'll just take off. Like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> but I've launched so many products as of you. You know what happens when you launch a product? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Right? Big company, small company in between, nothing happens, right? Exactly. You have to go make it happen. Although I did listen to a Calendly podcast and it sounded like it just kind of happened for him. So God bless Tope for figuring it out at, at Calendly and he seemed to have a good viral model. That's a great network effect story. But um, but yeah, it's still a lot of hard work. Yeah, he, he, he played it down. It took him five years uh, to make that happen, right? So it's, it's not it right. just happened. Really. Once it started happening, it started happening. So Tope is a great guy on, on that front. Um, Brian, uh, you know, I'm talking about now, I think these are like six or seven techniques that you just mentioned about. How does one go about experimenting which one should, uh, let's say you have limited assets, limited resources within your company. Uh, which of these techniques should, you know, would you kind of recommend uh, to the early stage startups or even slightly larger companies who are building newer product lines, uh, but they also want to go try try some of these things out? Is there a playbook around this? Is there is there a way to think about it? I don't know if there's any playbook except for the playbook that, that says that you can, you have a plan and you go try to violently execute against it and then you you adapt, right? I mean, 
here's the, the, the dirty little secret about network effects is you need a network and you need nodes to be able to make it work, right? If you have no nodes, you have no network. And so you can build as many links into your products and concepts that allow you to build that network effect, but you need nodes. And so I think identifying, you know, early days, you just want to try to find nodes, people that will use the product, test it, understand if it works, see if it's valuable. And then you can really think about how you more deeply build out those networks, all those connections, because until you kind of figure that out, you're not there. I mean, you know, the story that I told you about, like with Meetmoji, you can build the presentation, you can have all your mixed media content in there, and then you can share a link afterwards. Well, I never thought about the sharing the link in the early days, but as I started to build it, I had people that were testing it and doing webinars. And then they're like, I'd love to be able to follow up asynchronously afterwards, you know. Is there any way to be able to publish this as an asset that contains all those assets? And I said, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. It's a great network effect thing too, but it's something that I learned from a node, an individual user who, who gave me a chance early because, of, because they knew me, right? And knew that I was a good sales engineer and, and a good person that they worked with. And so they're willing to take a chance on my product. And you need to find people like that and then learn from how they are going to apply it because guess what? Like whatever's in your head is probably wrong. Um, so I think it is about just getting out there, finding those people to test it, then adapting to your network effect theories to how it, those nodes are using it. Um, I think that's the best. It's I, it's not an easy answer. There is no playbook. Just jump out of the plane and do it and figure it out along the way. Right? You're right. Find the nodes. Find the nodes. That's the, that's the quest. Um, I think, you know, maybe a small tale, um, Loom, I'm not sure whether I know Loom well, yep. about, you know, how their, their virality kicked in, uh, Loom followed a very similar playbook as Zoom, right? So they said, Hey, you know what? Sharing is the right secret for, um, building that network effect. So you could go, uh, you know, record a session all by yourself and share it to your friends and share it to your colleagues within the company. And then they now have to install Loom and they now go ahead. Uh, I'm seeing that trend across the board, jam.dev, which was just, you know, record your screen sessions, record your Chrome browser, all the network console things. Now that's getting into the same network effect. In fact, we met with another company whose entire sole business is to allow other SaaS businesses to share. <laughs> it's right. wow you can create a company i thought it's just a feature but now it looks like you can create a company uh but this has been great chat you know uh, brian so a couple of things i learned from you just to you know uh, in the interest of time find yep. your node you know i think find the right nodes uh maybe that's that's uh that's one of the advice that you've given um i think you did not say it in that particular way but i'm trying to trivialize it just to keep it in my head uh, is fake it till you make it. You know, you mentioned about you're giving advice to... 100%. Uh, Done that yeah. my whole career, right? <laughs> you're on the other side of the of the street and giving advice and shouting at them saying that, hey, you have not done this. You have not, not, not done this. And from that advice, you've learned so much, you know, that you faked it and now you're making it. Uh, so maybe that's another way to, to try and experiment, you know, figure out a way to write <laughs> do the right faking, if you will. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, I spent all my time as a sales engineer and I, I moved up because I was the guy willing to try the new products and I always failed and stumbled out the gates. So I'd always find my favorite, you know, salespeople and say, hey, let's find a friendly customer or partner to try this on. 
And then I remember doing one of my first presentations on web content management, and I knew nothing about web content management uh, after we had bought this company at Adobe. And and I go out there, the first thing they go is, well, how does this compare to Drupal? And I'm like, what is Drupal, right? <laughs> it's like I mean, how little I knew, and it's it seems so juvenile. But I was very experienced, 15 years of experience. I knew what I was, I was a great sales engineer. But until you bump into those things, you're never going to. So you do have to jump out, fake it till you make it, and and adapt, right? Yeah, I think the last one is rightly rightly mentioned. Adapt, adapt quickly. The speed yes. and the agility to adapt is more important. So I know we are, we ran out of time. Uh, thank you so much, Brian. We learned so much from you. I'm, I'm sure the listeners would love this, you know, to to listen and uh, and note note this town. I think this you should probably think about writing maybe a blog or a, you know or a book or something. You know, talk about the various techniques about the network and viral effects. Uh, again, to all the listeners, if you enjoyed today's discussion, please consider leaving a, a review on the podcast platform of your choice. This will air on Spotify, Apple, and various other podcast catchers. Your feedback makes a big difference. Uh, stay tuned for more insights, guests, and surely enough, some more demos. Until, until that time, keep thriving. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Cool.